This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight. And today we have a special guest, as yes, we do every Thursday. I am going to be sitting down with Simone Moore, aka Diabetes Bay. And Simone is such a just wealth of knowledge and understanding. And I really enjoyed this conversation. She and I have talked multiple times offline, and I really feel like you're going to enjoy this episode and all the knowledge that she has to give. She is not only a type one diabetic, but a nurse and diabetes educator. So she is very familiar with a lot of things that you go through from being diagnosed to what you should experience after you're first diagnosed and being able to provide not only information, but just the right education and understanding that you need for yourself as a new diabetic. She's got a lot of great stuff coming up, so be sure to check her out. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. She is also a part of a group that does clubhouse rooms on, I think she said, what was it, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. So be sure to follow her on Clubhouse, follow her on Instagram so you can keep up with all the great things that she's doing. She's literally my diabetic sister from another mister, and I'm really excited for this conversation. Let's do it. You are listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. E minus the entanglement, so. So let's do it. Hi, Simone. Hi, Taylor. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. I see you got the the cool merch in the back. We're going to have to find out what that's all about later. (laughs) I love shirts and stuff. So anytime guests come on and they're like, I've got this shirt, I've got this thing, I'm like, tell me more. How can I get one? Because I need it. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. For those who are not familiar with you, I guess I'll give you a little backstory of how we met. It was a quiet day on Clubhouse where I'm just roaming the halls looking for rooms to be in and trying to start my own rooms specifically towards diabetics. And it was pretty much crickets through most of the rooms that I ran, except for one person who decided to show up. And that's that's Miss Simone here, aka Diabetes Bay. I love your your handle. And we literally sat how how long did we talk? We talked for six hours. Six hours. And I enjoyed all <laughs> six hours. It did not that at all it did not feel like that we had one guy pop in at the last minute and we were both like we're kind of winding down now but we'll hang on just a little bit so it has pretty much been two peas in a pod ever since and so I'm excited to actually have you on the pod and get to hear your perspective as a type 1 diabetic so if you don't mind just introduce yourself who is Simone when were you diagnosed what are your passions what are things that you are, are working on Okay. Well, first, thank you for having me today. I will never forget that day. You are my first Clubhouse new friend at random. We found each other. So 
so many things have happened since that day that I just want to say thank you for. And my name is Simone. I am a type 1 diabetic. My diversary is December 18th, 1996 was the year that I was diagnosed. So I've been diabetic for 24 years. I was diagnosed at the age of 13 years old, so it's been it's been a long journey, I must say. A lot of things have changed yeah. over the years, so always something new coming out. I'm always excited about that. I am also a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for over 10 years. I generally work with just pediatrics. I've worked at two children's hospitals, and I am in the Texas area, somewhere between Dallas and Houston. I'm always in one of those two cities. My greatest <laughs> passion would be, I just love helping people. When I was younger, I I don't know, I had this fascination with homeless people. And I told my mom I always wanted to start like a homeless shelter or center or something. So I get to cover that passion by volunteering with my church because they do a lot of events with homeless people. But also when I was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of 13, I then became so fascinated with medicine and just trying to learn everything that I could about diabetes. I had a very, very good team when I was first originally diagnosed. So they made it maybe, I mean, it still was a hard transition to find out you're a diabetic, but they kind of eased it for me because I had such a great support system. So in my pastime, what I love to do is travel. I love to travel the world. I did not let diabetes stop me. I've gone to New <laughs> Zealand by myself. I am always looking for the next adrenaline rush. I climbed a bridge in New Zealand and that was my heart was pumping. My blood sugar stayed normal, but it, it was just something great to do. I love the beach. If I could sit on a beach every day, at some point I'm going to live on a beach. But for right now, I live in the real world and no, not living on a beach, just <laughs> living regular city yeah. life. And then I love to read that. I'm not a TV person. I can sit and read books all day. I have so many books. I just got a couple new diabetes books and I read about everything into science, not necessarily always medical books, just whatever I can get my hands on that gets my attention long enough. I'll sit and read and forget that I'm supposed to go to sleep. And that's I really definitely we call that bell life when she was when she was just walking around everywhere and didn't she just <laughs> happened to navigate. I used to do that in high school all the time and it would freak my parents out because they were like the TV's on and she's sitting at the kitchen table reading. <laughs> what happened to our kid? Who who did something to our kid cuz she doesn't she doesn't ignore the TV except for when I'm in a good book and you bring up something that I'm trying to work my way back in because I will ball out in Barnes and Nobles or half price books like I will at a makeup store. And my partner is like, you don't need more books because you haven't finished reading the other ones. I'm like, I need a library in my house and shut up. <laughs> because it's what I want. I want a library in my house. It is a, a dream of mine that is going to happen with the ladder. It's going to happen. So. Anywho. That's why I know we are soul sisters yes. because you brought up Belle. I love that's my favorite Disney movie. And I've told people so many times that whoever my Prince Charming is, he is going to surprise me with the library. And I'm going to just sit and go and read books all day. So I'm just waiting for my Beauty and the Beast library. It's it's coming. I know yeah. it's coming. Yeah, that's that's that I really feel like that's half of what men don't get about women sometimes is 
books are like lifeblood necessities for us because, and I think it's a little bit of a historical thing of not being allowed to be educated and things like that. So it's just like, right. nine times out of 10, you you take her to a bookstore, you tell her you're going to get a library for her, she's down. Like, <laughs> just test that. And if not, because I know that there's some that aren't, but you never know. That's awesome. Well, I would love to know, uh, and I feel like I say this every episode, but you never know who might just be listening for the first time. I love to ask my non-diabetic guest and then my diabetic guest one question pertaining to something that they want to myth bust. So for my diabetic friends, I like to ask what's one misconception about being a diabetic that you want people to know is incorrect. Stop the madness. We're shutting it down right now. This thing is wrong. Stop <laughs> spreading the madness. <laughs> What's that one thing? That is such a good question. There are so many. I, especially traveling, I've I've had so many different things come up or people see my devices. What is that? But I think even 24 years in, the biggest one for me is I can eat whatever I want to eat. <laughs> I, I, I still get that. I mean, family, friends, new people, wow. especially now that they see, okay, they see my insulin pump. They see my continuous mm-hmm. glucose monitor. Some people are, they'll come up and they'll ask me about it, which I love. But the thing is, it's like people will ask me, I'm more than willing to talk about my diabetes to tell you what it is. My thing is, mm-hmm. after the fact, they're like, oh, well, can you eat that? But should you be eating that? Well, I don't think you should have that. And mm. it, it never ends. It It's always there. I mean, some of my family, they've gotten better with it over the years because they realize, just like I tell everybody that I talk to, I can have anything I want as long as I know, you know, how to manage my diabetes. If I want to eat a bowl of cereal, yeah. maybe I have a pre-bolus because that bowl of cereal, I love cereal. Like cereal was oh, my thing man. in high school. My, my, my mom was like, is this girl only going to eat cereal? You're diabetic. You can't only eat cereal, but I love yeah, cereal I'm and I don't want to feel like right I can't now. eat it. Oh, I, yes. girl, cereal is, it's, it's like... All of the fruity ones were my favorite. And so I just want non-diabetics. I want diabetics that struggle with this to know you can have anything you want in moderation. It's figuring out how to work it in your diet. Maybe there's a certain time of day you should eat it. Maybe you need a pre-bowl list, but just don't everybody. Can you eat that? My ears, I'm plug my ears because that question never start. ends turning around just start turning around on people just give them my back like okay let's start again what was your question and then just keep doing it like like you're training dog like every time that you ask me this really ridiculous question I'm gonna keep turning my back on you until you understand this is not the question to ask me (laughs) yeah I should just fill my mouth up with whatever I'm eating so you what um what did you say Mm -hmm. so yes Man, that is that is so funny. Yeah, I think the the should you have that or even in Facebook groups where they're like ripping people apart when they post their meals or whatever. And it's just like, okay, don't be mad because that might not be your setup. Like, can you not tell people you're doing too much this, too much that? Now, some people are asking for it. So like, what am I doing wrong? But I feel like Facebook groups are such 
such murky water to be in to ask about a very personal experience. And so I clearly have a thing with Facebook groups. I, I'm, I refuse to start one. If, if you're listening right now, as much as I want to show community, I will tell you right now, it will never be on Facebook ever. <laughs> I've considered, and I'm in, I'm in several Facebook groups. And like you said, the I, I read questions. I try to answer ones when I can, but I read some of those answers and I'm just like, you should, I don't feel like anyone should ever be shamed. Yeah. And you just, you just never know what anybody's going through. Like I could be on my diet and stay great 24 seven for the most part. And then there's like one day, maybe I just, I need a break. I need a treat. I want to enjoy something. And I don't want to feel like anybody is going to shame me because today I decided to, my favorite sprinkles, I get the sugar-free red velvet cupcake. But I know they're like, oh, you're having a cupcake. Yes, I'm having a cupcake. It's for me. (laughs) So yeah, I I totally understand you with those Facebook groups. They're so intense, man. Like, I just wanted a fucking donut. Okay, can I just have a donut? Mind your damn business. Right. Mind your business. It's my damn donut. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I would love to dig a little bit into what inspired your career because you you definitely have a heart of gold in wanting to help people. And I love how you said like your medical team was really influential. Did you, did you want to be a nurse before you were diagnosed or how did you fall into the idea of like, you know what, I'm going to pursue a career in in a medical field and specifically nursing. Cause I know some people really want to be doctors and some people are like, no, I'm cool being a nurse. So I, I love to, to learn more about how you got into that. Okay. Um, so first, no, I never, 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 never before the age of 13 thought about a medical career. I actually wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. He is a computer technician. I've had a computer since I was little. I absolutely love technology. So that's what I was going to be. I really didn't understand what computer technician meant. <laughs> but if you looked at anything that I wrote out, what are you going to be when you grow up? A computer technician. And then diabetes came. And so it really wasn't even the initial, I went to the hospital and I had those few days there with the medical team. It was over time, kind of the educators I met. I went to diabetes camp my first summer of having diabetes. and They just, I don't know, they just poured so much into me. And what I figured out over time is, hey, I want to be that for somebody else. And I know for me, it was hard to, there were times where it was hard to listen to medical professionals who, they know the science of it. They've read about it, but they don't live it every day. They don't know what it's like to really live with this. They they tell you to do certain things and I'm just like, that's not realistic. I mean, maybe yeah. sometimes I can do it that way, but in my everyday life, that doesn't work for me. And I go through this. I live with this. So I just wanted to be that nurse for somebody else. Now, I know you said, talked about the doctor. I did want to be a doctor. Somehow in there, it became an OBGYN instead of an endocrinologist. I don't know why, but <laughs> we got past that. <laughs> and, and we kind of was like, no, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. I feel like even the times where I thought that I wanted to do something else, I always come back to this. 
no matter what. I always come back to diabetes. So it's it's really a passion for me. It's really in my heart. It's really the reason I became a nurse. I met so many families where when I was a diabetes educator for the hospital, the parents would be like, look at her. She's a diabetic. She's a nurse. It, it made me feel good too. They're like, she doesn't have anything. She's normal and she lives every day. And we would have conversations and the families were just so excited to know that I had diabetes too. And I'm teaching them about diabetes. So it, it's always been there, but really since my diagnosis. Wow. Wow. You, you slid right into uh, my next question because I can imagine being a healthcare worker, also a diabetic, and you work with kids, right? And so I could absolutely see how that would be so life-changing to see that the person that is helping you is also in the same shoes as you and you, you have something to look forward to. Because I think it's one of those setups where we connect so much better with what we know with what's familiar, right? We, we're, we're humans. We've shown that pattern over and over and over again. If I can relate to you in some kind of way, it makes me feel good. It makes me want to trust you. But I can imagine there's also some challenges as well with having your diagnosis and having to work in a medical space all the time. So I'm curious to know, like, what were those challenges and how did you get through them? And what advice would you give to other medical workers who are working with similar conditions, if not the same? So I'm going to start with my initial biggest challenge. Going into a hospital, it kind of depends on your position, but I feel like nurses, doctors, they work, sometimes they work 24 hours. So this could be something that affects them too. But for me, the initial nursing positions, or actually I went in as a nursing assistant, but the positions that were open were only night positions. And so my endocrinologist, she was very reluctant when I told her I went from a nine to five. I was a stockbroker before I worked at the hospital. So I'm working a regular Monday through Friday, nine to five job. And then I tell my doctor, hey, I'm about to go back to school for nursing. I'm going into a three 12 hour night shift a week. And she was like, I don't think it's going to work, but we'll see. And so honestly, going in, I lasted six weeks and my blood sugars were all over the place. So I went from being in control to quickly being out of control. I wasn't getting enough mm. sleep. My body was trying to figure out, okay, you're up all night. What are you doing? Checking at different times now. I'm eating at different times. And so I ended up Luckily, they worked with me and they let me switch to a day position. And then two years later, once I became a nurse, I went back into the same situation because as a new nurse, I had to take a night position. They didn't have any day positions. and But the second time, it was different because I was prepared. I feel like you can do mm. any and everything when you're prepared. I was prepared for it. I knew months in advance that this was going to be the case. It was kind of like, what do I need to know and what do I need to do to figure out? So because I had went through the experience before, I wasn't ready this time. We focused on, okay, we need to have set times where you eat. Maybe I was like getting up during the day to also make sure I was still having 
food during the days where I was sleeping, making sure that at that point, I believe I was on like a continuous glucose monitor. So that totally changed the way I was doing things. (laughs) Yes, that was like the best new device I could ever have. I struggled with night times and there were nights where I was so busy working that I wouldn't stop for a second to have a drink. Like, okay, you can't be dehydrated all night and taking care of people. So the hardest thing for me was figuring out my diabetes, but it definitely worked when I went in the second time and I was prepared for it. I had a plan. I had alternatives to if that didn't work, then I could try this. And I honestly worked as a night nurse for almost six years. I preferred nights. Wow. I did. Yeah, I was able to control my blood sugar. So my advice to any any healthcare workers, just anybody in diabetes with diabetes who is going in a job where it's like a night job, just being prepared, knowing the things to look out for, knowing, you know, how your diabetes works. If there are certain times where you maybe you do need to have a snack during the day because your blood sugars are dropping, you're sleeping during the day now, just knowing those things and I promise you can get through it with preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting because when I was first diagnosed, I was in a night job as well. And I was working with the Australia, New Zealand market at Apple. Mm -hmm. So I was there when the iPhone 6, the Apple Watch, all of that came out. And my, my training class actually watched that guy in Australia who dropped his phone on national television. He was the first one to get his iPhone 6 and he dropped it. We watched uh-huh. it live because we were on their time schedule. And so my schedule was typically a three to midnight or four to one because we dealt with double daylight savings time. We dealt with daylight savings time here in the US and then daylight savings mm-hmm. time for Australia and New Zealand. So Everybody wanted the like two to 11 shift because it was like, okay, that's not, it's, it's still got plenty of time during the day, but you're not up all night. And then there was the, most of us who were three to 12 and then we shifted that meant four to one. And then if it shifted again, five to two, right? So you were, you were out. And so I did not land the two to 11, no matter how hard I tried. And (laughs) I was experiencing my crazy symptoms during this time. And so passing out, the crazy thirst, the lethargic, like I feel like I'm just walking through mud all the time, just tired all the time, can't sleep through the night because my mouth is so dry and sticky. And so I started to miss work and I was a temp for Apple. So I really had to be on it because, you know, they, they got that six strike rule and you're, you're done and it, it's it's insane. So I kept going to the doctor, kept going to the doctor. And when I finally was diagnosed, I I was already out the door from that position. There was nothing I could do to come back from it. Now, thankfully, they had a rule with the temp agency that you, when you finish a contract, you can go back after 90 days. And so I did eventually go back and I had to get a medical accommodation because that's when I started metformin, which just tore everything up. Like, everything. Like I, I, I am, um, I'm not gonna lie. When I see new diabetics, like they put me on metformin. I'm like, dear God, I hope, I hope you don't go what I went through. Like it's bad Mexican night every night for like the first two weeks, or at least that was for me. It was terrible. Yeah. It, it caused so much stomach stuff. No vomiting, no vomiting. Just, 
I, I couldn't feel my legs for, for two weeks. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and so, yeah, having to get a medical accommodation to go to the bathroom all the time. But I finally lucked up and I got a 7 a.m. shift. And everything just suddenly just went so much smoother because I, I couldn't sleep well. My numbers were all over the place on top of I was in denial my first two years as, as a baby diabetic. So I wasn't taking my medication consistently. I was like, which because it was just jacking my stomach up all the time. And then I'm like, oh, well, I can do this with just food and exercise alone. And I'm like, no, you can't. You you weren't doing it before you were diagnosed. So like, stop the madness. So it, it those night jobs are more power to you. Because it it really can be really heavy on your body if you're not prepared. Just don't know what to do. It can be so heavy. And that leads me to my next question that I'm really excited about. Because (laughs) I did not get diabetes education. For all of the OG diabetics, I'm sure this, that when you are first diagnosed, typically your doctor tells you or your endocrinologist tells you that you need to attend some form of diabetes education course. It's like night school for diabetes, right? And I do recall, I do recall my doctor telling me this. I remember going home with a pamphlet and some papers and stuff like that. I wasn't quite clear on, do I schedule this? Do you schedule this? When does this happen, right? So six years later, and I still haven't had it. And Simone, being a diabetes educator, I asked her if she would be willing to use me as a guinea pig for what an education meeting would be like, excuse me, with her using me as a brand new type two diabetic. I'm just going to pretend like I'm doing all the things that I was doing when I was first diagnosed, which was not (laughs) anything you're supposed to do. (laughs) Yes. Anything you're supposed to do. So I have prepared a basic, it's going to be basic, diabetes education. We'll keep it simple. The, the biggest thing about when you're going into diabetes education, especially as a new diabetic, the diagnosis itself is already so overwhelming. Yeah. I remember like, wait, what? No, I have to give myself a shot and, or this medicine or there's so many thoughts already going into your mind and into your head and you're, you're trying not to overthink everything. So I feel like a lot of the, you know, programs try to keep it really basic because especially now there's so much technology and devices and what we try to do is have other classes. Okay. Now that you've gone through the basics, now we can go into what is a continuous glucose monitor or CGM? Let's possibly talk about pumps, depending on what your doctor is talking about with you. So we kind of keep all of that for a later discussion. Basic education generally starts with what is diabetes? It means you have too much sugar in your blood. What happens is a lot of times with type 1 diabetes or with type 1 diabetes, your body stops producing the insulin that you need to help that sugar get into the cell. So usually what insulin does is it, they kind of talk about the lock and key. The the insulin and um, the sugar, the sugar in your blood, they connect and they go into your cells and they provide your body with energy. So with type one, you don't have that insulin. With type two, you have maybe some more insulin resistance. So you would have things like maybe you're not producing enough insulin or the insulin that you're producing is not the right combination to get 
that in the energy that you need or to get that sugar into your cells for that energy. So that's pretty much what diabetes is. And when you're asked to poke your finger, you're checking for the amount of sugar that's still in your blood. So with type one, generally for the most part, you're going to be on insulin. I have, I've met one type one at camp and she was on diet because they caught it early enough, but they told her at some point she would be on insulin. With type two, generally the options are going to be diet, um, exercise. You could also be on oral medication or even insulin. So that's kind of the basics. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's you. <laughs> I was like, wait, are you raising oh, I was, yeah, I was a question, I was say, Taylor? I was like, like we on on oral medication. That's me. <laughs> yes, and like you said, the oral medications. You just you you have to make sure that. I know a lot of people don't like to read them, but those pamphlets that come with your medication, reading those side effects, those commercials you see that say these are the side effects. You need to know those because those are generally going to be reasons that you would be calling your healthcare providers to say, hey, I'm going through this. What What's going on? Sometimes they'll say, okay, in the beginning, you'll have that. It'll, it should last a few weeks. But after this amount of time, if you're still having that, then it, it becomes a problem. So with diabetes, generally the signs and symptoms. They call them the three Ps, which Taylor has talked about earlier today. So they are polydipsia, polyuria, and polyphagia. And those are excessive thirst, excessive hunger, and excessive urination. And so a lot of times I've even had like families, especially of younger children, where they all of a sudden wet the bed. And that can be a sign of many things, but one of them could be diabetes. They haven't wet the bed in a long time. They've gotten to this point where they're so thirsty and they're going to the bathroom all the time. And then they all of a sudden have an accident and then we're finding diabetes. So just knowing the signs and symptoms. Now, also now being diagnosed as a diabetic, know that those same symptoms could be a sign that your blood sugar's high. When you're having high blood sugar, you're going to go to the bathroom all the time. You're going to want to drink all the time. You're going to want to eat all the time. You may have blurry vision. Some people notice when they're first diagnosed, hey, I'm having trouble reading things. I'm having trouble seeing things. That's another sign that you may have diabetes or that your blood sugar is high. Sometimes also like numbness and tingling in your feet. Foot care is going to be a part of your daily taking care of yourself. So the day-to-day of diabetes is going to be checking your blood sugar and that'll depend on your doctor. Type 2, sometimes they only have you check the fasting blood sugar in the morning. Type 1 generally are checking their blood sugars before each meal and before bedtime, but they should give you a plan that says, okay, this is how often we would like for you to check your blood sugar. These are the times that you should be taking your medicine and you want to kind of stick to the same time. So if you take, if you're on metformin and you take it every day in the morning, try to take it around the same time every day to kind of help with keeping those blood sugars more steady. Then there comes uh, with testing your blood sugar, how to test your blood sugar correctly. Now I have some people who think they should, they might start eating and they have food on their fingers or they haven't stopped to wash their hands. They haven't used an alcohol (laughs) swab to clean their fingers. And then they get this crazy blood sugar and they're like, 
well, I feel okay. And I haven't been, you know, it's high. I haven't been going to the bathroom or had any symptoms. And I'm just like, well, did you just clean your finger before you started? It could be as simple as washing your hands, washing your hands with soap and water or using those alcohol swabs and remembering to allow the alcohol to dry before you poke your finger. That's also something I feel like I always have to remind people of. And then when you're poking your finger, you want to stick to the sides of your finger. So if you're here, you're going to go kind of not right in the middle. You want to go kind of off to the sides of your finger. It's a little more sensitive in the middle of your finger. And over time, a lot of people start to have that issue with the dexterity of their fingers because they're poking your, you're poking your finger so much. So that's when, you know, Continuous glucose monitors come in and help with things like that because you're not having to poke your finger. Also, the day-to-day of diabetes is going to be trying to get in some exercise. 30 to 60 minutes a day, a 30-minute walk, most days of the week, so five, six days a week if you can. If you're new to exercise, you're going to want to be careful because some people start off and They just go running and their blood sugar goes down or it goes up depending on where it was when you started, depending on what type of exercise you're doing. So you want to make sure that if you're new to it, I would say try a a five, 10 minute walk three times a day versus trying to do the full 30 minutes at one time, but also being mindful whenever No matter what, no matter when it is, no matter what the feelings are, I generally tell my diabetics, if you feel off, check your blood sugar. It's a simple thing you can easily do. You can go ahead and check it. And if it's normal, you can say, okay, it's not my blood sugar, it's something else. So if you start to feel off, check your blood sugar. Also, when you're working out, exercising, especially if you're away from home or even in your car, you'll want to have some type of juice, hard candy, the glucose tabs. Now, I personally don't like the glucose tabs. They're a little chalky, but I have noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I have noticed that my guys love to carry them because they're easy for them to just put in their pocket. So I've talked to a few guys and they're like, I'll deal with the chalky because I can easily put this in my pocket. So I'm like, okay, now me, I have boxes of juice in my car. I keep candy um, in my purse. And the rule of thumb is have 15 grams of carb. So it's the rule of 15. It is have when your blood sugar is below 70, you're going to have 15 grams of carbohydrates. You're going to wait 15 minutes and recheck. Now, I'm going to tell you, personally, that was one of the hardest rules for me to discuss with my families as a nurse. I feel like everybody is different. The rule of 15 may not work for everyone. You have to find what works for you. For me, sometimes it's as simple as 10 grams of something, depending on what I'm having. Sometimes I need a little more. And I also want to tell you, because this was another thing that was hard for me when explaining to families and having to let them know. There's been times where I have low blood sugars and it you, it really puts your body into starvation mode. And I want to eat the whole kitchen. I, I oh, laugh yeah. at those memes that are like the all the cabinets are open. The diabetic has the low blood sugar and they're trying to eat the whole kitchen because that's been me. I've, I've been there. Yeah. I know what it feels like. I'm, I'm like, I, but I'm starving or I, I have it. And then your body is like, no, you didn't have enough. And you're waiting. And I feel like, especially with having my continuous glucose monitor, I'm constantly like, wait, 
wait, it didn't go up yet. It's only been five minutes. It changes every five minutes. So it's really going to be about figuring out what works for you. In later education, we can discuss different ways to test and find out what works for you. Finding out what foods affect your blood sugars in a certain way. Finding out what times of the day maybe you should have less carbs. And then if you want to have more, you can eat them later in the day, depending on what works for you. So then the next biggest thing for the day-to-day is going to be diet, watching what you eat. Now, your carbohydrate amount is generally going to be based on what you discuss with your doctor. There will, there's so many options out there. I mean, a lot of the regular rates the doctors are going to say, for me, and from all of the things I've read is generally 15 to 20 gram carb snack, 30 to 45 grams of carb per meal. And so, yeah. and you want to like your nighttime meal, you're going to want to make sure to kind of add some protein in with that meal to help sustain your blood sugars overnight. So different people try different things. You're going to hear everything out there. I know diabetics who are on keto diet. I know diabetics who do low carb. I know diabetics who do plant-based, which is a lot, like a lot of carbs when when you're doing plant-based diet. So in the beginning, keep it simple. We need to figure out what works for you, but eventually you may end up trying something else and finding that it does work for you and it does help with you not having that roller coaster of blood sugar ups and downs and depending on what you eat. So those are the main things that you're going to want to keep an eye on. Also just knowing the signs and symptoms of low blood sugar. So you may feel shaky. You may feel, I get sweaty when my blood sugar is low. Again, feeling like I am starving. Sometimes I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I am irritable. And then like, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> my heart is beating out of my chest. I'm like, what is this? Slow down. Calm down. It's okay. So when you, like I said, if you start feeling that way, check your blood sugar. Check to make sure. Um, the best thing you can always do is check. I know a lot of diabetics, as they get older, they kind of are like, oh, I feel a certain way. I just still say, check your blood sugar because you never know. Something else could always be going on with you. And that could be why you feel that way. And then, so understanding complications. With diabetes, you, especially with type 2 and even type 1, you want to be careful of watching your blood pressure. You want to watch your cholesterol. You want your bad cholesterol to be under 100. You want generally want your blood pressure to be like under, I want to say 130 over 80. So those are the, the ABCs of diabetes. So A is going to be your hemoglobin A1C. You've probably heard your doctor t- doctor talk about some tests. I've had people tell me that. They're like, I was told some test and my blood sugar is supposed to be, it's supposed to be under a 70. That test? I'm like, yes, that's your hemoglobin A1C. So they generally for, as a diabetic, they Showing control, they want you to be under seven. Starting to see some other ways where people are just focusing on their time in range of the blood sugar where they're where they're supposed to be as far as what their doctor has said they want their blood sugars to be so generally before meals they'll tell you they want you to be about um, 100 to 130 if you're checking two hours after a meal it's gonna you want to be under 180. Um, is generally a good rule of thumb. So with that, it's keeping your blood sugar steady and within range, watching your blood pressure, 
keeping your cholesterol good should hopefully, you know, help in the fight to prevent complications. So basic complications, vision, vision problems. I want to say that diabetes is in the top up there for causes of blindness. And Mm -hmm. then when I was talking Mm -hmm. about foot care, you have to check your feet every day. You, you must checking between your toes, making sure that when you get out of the tub or the shower, dry between your feet. You want to keep that dry because so many issues happen with like foot ulcers, getting a cut. And because of your diabetes, you're not getting as much circulation down to your feet. And so the wound is not healing as it should. So you just want to keep an eye out for that. I've known some some older diabetics that I've met who couldn't feel their feet and they stepped on something and didn't even know they stepped on a nail or a screw or a thumbtack or anything. And it's just like that, that feeling is not there. So you definitely day-to-day keeping up with your things that can affect your blood sugars outside of just what you eat stress so Mm -hmm. keeping your stress down any way that you can can help you with maintaining your blood sugars and in the in range that you want it to be also illness when you're sick you need to be prepared for a sick day. So remembering that if you're sick and your blood sugars are higher, that means you need more fluids. You may need to have some corrections. So you should have, if you're on like insulin, your doctor may have you on some type of correction. Sometimes with type 2 diabetes, they will have you like maybe on a medication and you only have a correction when you're high. Things like that. So yeah. some people do both. They they really don't have to take insulin on a day to day, but they may use it for a correction if needed. But like if you're just on a pill, just on diet. So it's going to be making sure, especially if you're vomiting, that you are maintaining your blood sugar. So maybe you may have to drink like some 7-Up, something that'll keep your blood sugar up. But because you're vomiting, it's easier to keep 7-Up down than trying to eat something that has carbohydrates in it. And also remembering to reach out to your doctor. If you're having any type of illness, you're seeing that your blood sugars are off, always call your healthcare provider. And then especially with when you get to a point where... uh, A lot of times they'll tell you if your blood sugar is over 250, they'll have you check your urine ketones at home. If you have ketones, that's always a reason to call your doctor. (laughs) So just those are kind of the basics of if I was giving you a plain, simple, to the point, day-to-day diabetes, that's what it would be. Man, I... I definitely didn't get that at all. I I will say my dad was helpful in letting me know different things, especially stuff that they don't always fully tell you in a doctor's office, but he was really good at like explaining stuff to me. One, I do have a question about the exercise thing. And it's because I experienced this this morning and I was really confused because I have been using the Oculus Quest and an app called Supernatural to get my cardio in because my endocrinologist said, four to five times a week, 30 minutes of cardio. And all I hear when someone says that is running or some type of elliptical or some type of uh, a hit workout where I got to do, what, what's, what's the shit called? Oh, where you got to like get down on the ground and get back up and jump and burpees. Burpees. I hate burpees with a passion. And I love using the excuse, excuse me, my knee. And now my shoulder, but I'm like, my, my knee, I can't handle that. I need low impact. That's not low impact. So that's that's what it makes me think of. But 
in reality, it's I need to get my heart rate up and I need to keep it up for a certain yes. amount of time. And gym has been hard for me, even though I've joined back because it's still like weird. I'm just like, eh. and so as much as I like weights, I'm not getting enough of my heart rate up to ensure that I'm, I'm keeping my blood sugars even. So my question this morning, I did my 30 minutes and I was very proud of myself. I was sweating. It was a good workout. They played like all the songs. It was like a Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, Megan Stallion mix. And I was all for it. I felt very empowered. And then my CGM alarm is going off throughout the session. Mind you, I checked before I got out of bed. And I know that there's the whole like feet to the floor thing. But like I was in range. I was like 70 to like 100, right? And then after my workout, I was like, 180 something. I even did my finger prick and I haven't pricked my finger in a month and a half since I got my CGM. And I was very happy about that. And it was like 240. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? I just worked out. I don't understand. So that's so what I'm thinking what I'm saying. That is an example of you do everything right and your blood sugar decides otherwise. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. You can do two days in a row and and you, you're you like, I did this. I did it. I've had those times because usually for me, and you said you had all the music. You got me going. I'm in here like, let me get some exercise. Man, but I will send you the list. It usually it brings you down. Yeah, and yeah, it usually yeah. will bring you down. And it's just, I've had to try different things. And for the most part, I can say, We'll say 75, 80% of the time, if I do some cardio like what you described, I'm going, my blood sugar is going to go down. And the fact Mm -hmm. that you said prior to your blood sugar was in range, so 70 to 100, because that's what I was listening for first. Because a lot of people don't realize when they're high and they work out or have ketones, that's a no-no. And then you can go higher because you've already started in that range. But for you to have started in a normal range, it's just kind of like, it was one of those days your body decided, okay, well, let's go up instead of down. And did you have a snack, a pre-snack or anything before you worked out? No, the only thing, only thing that I have was some water. And actually you reminded me, I'm like, did I take my dress this morning <laughs> because I was so thrown off. I, 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 it's to the point where, you know, when you, when you pop pills in the morning, especially, it's just like you do it. And I drink so much water. I'm like, did I, I don't know. So I'll, I'll, for me to handle offline, but I just right. have some water. I checked, I used to check about three times in the morning. Cause I woke up around 4am just, I had a weird dream. And so I checked and then I went back to sleep and I checked again. And that's where I was like, 102 or something like that and then as I was getting ready to get up that's when I was at 77 and it was saying I was gonna be dropping and so I'm like okay but usually I don't I don't feel my lows until I get to like low 60s and it doesn't feel bad for me and I'm used to working out on an empty stomach anyway so usually I prefer to work out in the mornings a I like to get it over with and b just for that kind of fat burning zone if you will I kind of I've just never had issues working out uh, on an empty stomach right so just some water, which I try to do in the mornings. And then I, I did my thing. And it's not, there's no weight. It's just body weights because the the app, Supernatural, it has it gives you like these. I don't know if you've ever done like Beat Saber or any type of VR stuff. But you basically have these two bats. Mm-hmm. And they have these balloons that you're hitting kind of to the beat of the music. And then they have these triangles that you do a squat 
or a lunge and you might go side to side, whatever. So it's kind of this full body squatting and you're moving your arms around a lot and it's fast. So I'm, I'm dripped sweat. It's so much fun because it's, it's game. Like I realize that's my joyful movement. If it's like a game, if I have to get accuracy or beat saver is the one that constantly tests my patience because I like it. But like, if I don't hit something right or, you know, I have to meet a certain goal, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do it again because I'm a gamer. So that that speaks to me. So I was really happy about it because it's like it's my thing. And then I have this really cool meditation app that I'll do afterwards that has this really pretty visuals with it. But yeah, my CGM was beeping the like back half of the workout. I'm like, I'm like, okay, maybe it's a low, but I feel okay. So right. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I look and I'm like, this bitch is beeping because I'm high. What? <laughs> have you done this workout before? Yeah. Now, and it never. I will say they have different levels of intensity, and this was okay. my first like super high intensity. Like I was struggling like to keep up because the way that okay. it, so I don't know if that makes a difference. Like other times, it's enough to get my heart rate going, enough to get me sweating. But this one, I'm like moving super. It's like going from like a um light elliptical or like a, a brisk walk to full on spin class. That's probably the, the so yeah. I could describe it. But okay. Um, yeah, because definitely, I mean, you're you're gonna have to try it again. Yeah. It, it it's always gonna be that. Okay, this time this happened. Let me see. Let me you you have to find your pattern. It's diabetes. A lot of figuring out things is about the pattern. So like for me, I know that if I'm going in to lift weights, my blood sugar is gonna go up. I know that if I'm going in to do cardio and even if like, let's just say I'm rocking the steps and I'm just rolling up in the steps, it depends for me on the amount of time. If I only do the steps for 20 minutes, even though I'm sweating and I pushed it, I might not see 20, 30 minutes. I won't really see a change in my blood sugar. Now, if I go an hour, that's when I start to know, okay, either depending on where I was to start, maybe I need a snack before or wait till I get to the midpoint and see where I'm at and then have a snack. So really it's it's a lot of trial and error when you get with that when you have diabetes. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part that I feel about it is you do all this trial and error and then something, some outside force comes in and changes the whole script. So like the things that we didn't discuss in basic diabetes training, I mean, a monthly menstrual cycles for women can change their blood sugars, age, just things that I've heard people say, oh, I used to be able to eat this and now I can't. And it's kind of like, you really don't know why. So I feel, I feel like trial and error never ends. It just keeps going. It's like, okay, what is this? How is this affecting me? This time at this age, I know for me hitting 35, so many things change. And I'm like, whoa, wait, I just, I went up a year in age. But compared yeah. to my 20-year-old diabetes self and my 35-year-old diabetes self, it's interesting to see the difference um, in things. And it could be the day-to-day things. Like, because I have diabetes, it doesn't mean I can't drink alcohol. I drink. I enjoyed my 20s. Being a diabetic didn't stop me. But I trial and error. What works for me, what doesn't work for me. And now at 35, I've, I've had to, okay, well, now it's changed a little bit. I never really had yeah. the monthly, like, hormone changes for me. I don't see that much difference in my blood sugars. But everybody is different. 
so different and it's just what works for you may not work for the next person and vice versa. Yeah, I think that's something that I've been playing around with because sometimes I've been doing like early midday afternoon workouts on it because I'm like, all right, let me get some stuff knocked out in the mornings. And then around one, two o'clock, I'll either go take a walk with my dogs or I'll, you know, hop on my Oculus and do some stuff because I'm like, I can give this 30 minutes. It really does fly by. And there's this Star Wars game that I'm legit going to buy. They have like three different episodes and you're like Darth Vader's minion person and... Yeah, who doesn't want to be a Jedi Knight? Like, come on. Like, they even give you the Force. And anyways, I'm nerding out because, yes. So finding the thing that, like, oh, my God, this speaks to my soul. This is what helps me move is awesome. Even when uh, we had, like, an Oculus night at my partner's house, and he's like, I need to get back in the gym. Like, I'm tired. (laughs) Like, like, I'm sweating. Like, yeah. So it's like, cool. But, you know, figuring, like you said, it's trial and error of like, okay, what times of day may be better for me? Like, maybe I don't need to work in the morning. Maybe it's that early afternoon that that really flows well with me because my body is still kind of going through its wake up process and I need to get some breakfast in me. And it's, it's, if I do go to the gym, it's probably the time where most people aren't there because they're probably off their lunch break already and they're back at work. So trying to figure out these different ways, I really wish my apartment would just open up our freaking gym, but you know, finding these different ways to test. And that's why I will say I love my CGM and I really, really, really wish that they were more widely available to diabetics without having to wait through going through the finger finger pricking stage because it just, you just don't get the same value of information with a normal finger glucose meter than you do with the constant one. And that has really helped me out because I'm seeing, okay, I was having that crazy, what is it? The the Samogi effect where I go stupid low and I'm woken up at three, three in the morning, like, what the hell? And most of the time I haven't needed to get a snack. There's only one time where I was like, oh shit, if I don't get a snack, me and Oreos. Yes. You know, like it was just what I had to do. And then the feet to the floor thing. I mean, I know there's a, the Dawn phenomena kind of mixed within that, but lately I've been even. And so then I literally get up and I start walking and I scan and I'm like, I went from 102 to 130. What the hell? Like, so it's just that constant trying to understand what your body is doing. And I wish we could have our own episodes of like, have you ever seen that show Cells at Work on Netflix? I freaking love that show. It is the cute. I've watched it both in English and Japanese. I love it that much because I feel like it's, it's the perfect way to portray how your body works. And every time they're like, oh, I need to stop and get some glucose. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) but I wish I wish it would explain the trauma that happened when they had to get the blood transfusion like I wish I they would explain like like did he get shot like what happened like what happened to the body why is why is like that was like the scariest part for me I was like shit is getting real in this show what happened somebody explain it to me but I hope that they do more of that and take on different things because the cancer episode was really interesting because if we could see our bodies like that I'm like man what's going on on the inside it would be really cool so I could be like hey blood cells the fuck is going on all right can you tell me what's going on hey can you go holler at go go down to to the pancreas and holler at insulin and be like yo you're late for the party I need you to let these in so I can get down because I'm trying to work out for you. Can y'all, can we have a powwow? Can we have a, a team huddle real quick? And we discuss why you are doing this to me right now. Like, I really wish I could just have a sales at work meeting where like everybody just, I have this big screen projection throughout my entire body. 
And I'm like, we need to have a conversation about these blood sugar levels. I'll come to that because I feel like security, security, let my insulin right, in. Right. Why are you holding my why are you holding my insulin at the door? Right. They Please on the list. let my insulin they in. They on the list, fam. Gosh. <laughs> they've been on the they've never come off. They are the first person on this list. And you now you have do you have diabetes? You have blurry vision? Let's talk about this because you holding up my insulin. Yeah. So yes, yeah, I totally, totally understand. I I love that show. I missed the cancer one, but oh yeah, that's that's yes. the one that led to to the big body trauma. But that it's like one of the like second to last, like one of those last couple episodes. But I really do hope I need to look that up and see if Netflix are gonna renew it because I think it is a beautiful way to explain everything going on in your body and being able to. I mean, can you imagine how awesome that is for kids? I mean, we grew up with some great anime, right? And now you're getting this. Anime has always been a great way to give you this underlining message of learning something. And Cells at Work, I feel like, just could could open so many doors and so many eyes as to what exactly is happening inside of your body when certain things like diabetes PCOS, Crohn's disease, Lyme disease. I don't know. There's, there's so many things that could tell you Everything. of like, man, if we could just animate this, how many more people would be educated and understanding this? And and right. maybe even bringing in the fact that like, yeah, male, female, whole nother world, you know, of, of stuff that could take place. So I'm definitely, I'm not, now I'm going to have to look up, and I'm going to have to look up to see if they're going to come out with another season. And then if they don't like, find the petition of why they need to keep doing it. And then B, now I feel like I'm going to rewatch the whole season because it's such a good show. If you've not seen Cells at Work, it's so great. It's so great. Like a little red cell, a little white blood cell. They're just, it's cute. Anyways. So we need to, adults need that too. Yeah. Like adults. I feel like a lot of times when you're talking to your medical providers, they use all of this medical terminology. People don't understand. They're afraid to ask. What is that? What does that mean? And so I have a cousin. She tells me that I am the most <laughs> medical, non-medical nurse that she knows because I'm just like, I don't want to use that term. I just want to say what it is. I don't need to use the medical term. Yeah. I don't need to. I know it's the three P's, but I just want to say you're drinking a lot. You're going to the bathroom a lot. You're eating a lot. Because when I say yeah. polyuria, polydipsia, polyphagia, people are like, Mm, Polly what? And and they won't ask me what what is that? They don't ask. And then when you I found that when you say, okay, do you have any questions? A lot of times people say no because they don't know what to ask. They don't know what you just said. What did you say? Say it again. So that's a part of me stepping out into this space to be able to, you know, I want to teach things and educate and and give you real life. This is what I go through. This is not just, oh, on paper, it looks great. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not perfect. Sometimes I use the same syringe more than like things like that. (laughs) I got so many lances that haven't been used because why (laughs) would I change it every day? Nonsense. And now that I got a CGM, I just stare at the box like, just make some maracas out of these because just... Oh, it. I have so, so we can have a whole so thing. Many. Girl. I have boxes of stuff. Man. I'm gonna tap on my boxes of supplies. 
like, oh, here let's we just go. All, let's do that uh, do. that that quarantine box thing with a bunch of our diabetic friends, and we're just all like shaking <laughs> our different lances to beats because we don't <laughs> we have so many. That would be fun. Right. I, we might need to do that. Yeah. Well, I would love to know. I mean, you've given so much insight, and I'm I'm so grateful for your expertise and things. And by the way, guys, general advice here. All right. So make sure you talk with your medical professionals before you go do anything. But I I would love to just take a moment to talk about your your platform, Diabetes Bay, what it stands for and, and where you want to take this, because I know you're wanting to kind of step out of the, uh, the hospital and the medical room and do more in the online space. And I would love for people to hear what you're up to and how you can, you know, better help them with their diabetic needs outside of a exam room. There you go. I was like, what's the word? <laughs> <laughs> So Diabetes Bay, Bay stands for believing in you, advocating for you, and empowering through you. I feel like a lot of people don't realize there is so much support out there. The internet has just opened up a world for us that wasn't there when I was diagnosed as a diabetic. And it's it's honestly hard. You see the doctor, he goes, if you have if you have an endocrinologist, you should be seeing them every three months. Some people only go to their regular primary care doctor, which could be six months to a year. So that in between time, you need help. You don't want to feel like yeah. you have to call the doctor every day or stuff is going on. And so the reason I started Diabetes Bay is because I feel like a lot of people out there don't know where to go for that help. They need the help. They're confused. They feel alone. They're like, okay, how do I work this? For me, when I was, before I became a nurse, when I went to get my first insulin pump, I remember the doctor's office, they handed me three folders and they said, go home and choose one. I had no idea. So I picked the one that had no tubing. It looks good. That's how I started with the Omnipod. I'm like, why would I want tubing? Let me go with this one. It doesn't have any tubing. Only makes sense. I didn't really know. I mean, trying to sit there and read that information and understand the ins and outs, it's why things like YouTube and people's videos on YouTube have become such a great tool because it gives, it would have given me the chance to go on there and really see, okay, well, maybe I don't want this one without the tubing. So what I would like to do with this, with my business is education, educating, especially people of color. I feel that a lot of times people of color, there is it's a wealth gap, but there's also a gap in medical and not understanding or not trusting the medical providers. Mm -hmm. I know how it feels to want somebody that looks like me, but then also to have somebody that's dealing with the same thing as me. So I want to be that person for any and everybody that needs that help. I I meet people all the time. They're like, my grandmother, my grandfather has diabetes. I I don't know which type it is. We need to start talking about these things family history, how that could potentially affect you, even though you're like, I'm young, I might. No, that doesn't mean that you can't one day come up with diabetes in your 20s or 30s. I also want to focus on with type 1 diabetes. It used to be called juvenile diabetes. And there, I mean, I still see that name somewhere, but 
there are so many adults being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And I've talked to some recently and they even said, I didn't get any education. I went to the doctor. They gave me this. And like you said, they gave me some pamphlet. They said, call this person. I did or I didn't. Nobody checked on it. Nobody said anything. So I just want to help people, the underserved, people of color, people that aren't getting the things that they need. And I want to be able to do it and say it in my way, the way that they'll understand, understanding how they understand, how they talk. Our older, my grandparents, oh, you got that sugar. That's just that sugar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So knowing what that means, there's still people that don't even, I told somebody that they were like, she said you have, I said, that's diabetes. (laughs) Like, mm-hmm. that's what that, they that's call what it, means. the sugar, right? <laughs> so, I understand. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. And just finding other ways to help them and say, okay, I know you You love to eat this, but let me figure out a way. Let's find a, a great place for it to still be in your diet, but maybe not every day. So, right. that's the goal of Diabetes Bay. Man, that's that's super awesome. And I think that's one thing I love about what I'm doing now is I thought that my mission was going to be to educate in a way of like, let's do college or something like that. I'm like, no, I'm, I've always been a glue between people. I'm always the person trying to like bring groups of friends together. Like I love just this connection of like, you know, this network of Okay, I, like I told you earlier, hey, you need somebody to talk to you about your your child who's been recently diagnosed. I've got a friend for that. She literally works with kids all the time and she's a type one. She can understand that. Or, hey, I didn't get the education. And you said more in just this hour that had I known that six years ago, who knows? Now, obviously, I was meant to be on this path for a reason. I would, we wouldn't be sitting here if I wasn't. Right. So I won't I won't knock not having it. But even still, just recognizing the lack of access, um, especially for our communities mm-hmm. of color. And, and like I think you said it perfectly, like not trusting the providers. There's so many in our community where it's like we didn't go to the doctor or we couldn't right. go to the doctor because we didn't have insurance or, or whatever it may be. Something prevented us from going. And when you are treated more like a number than you are a person, it makes it very difficult to feel like, okay, I'm going to go in here and do something versus I'm going to go in here. They're going to give me a bunch of drugs and hope for the best. And us having to <laughs> take things into our own hands is it's, it's really hurting our community because we no longer yeah. know what we should trust. And it should be equal parts. Go get the professional opinion, Right. Be willing to speak up for yourself. I refuse to allow any of my appointments to be a five-minute treat the symptoms. You're going to sit here and you're going to listen to me. And if I don't agree with what you're saying, I'm going to tell you. And I need us to have a dialogue on how we can make this work because it is a partnership. If you want to just write scripts for people like you in the wrong business, the, the, what is it? The, the doctor's oath, I don't think, touches on. I shall write a bunch of prescriptions, put you on a bunch of medication to keep my pockets lined, right? So it's just one of those things where like, we have to educate ourselves on how to interact with our medical professionals. We have to educate ourselves in the fact of whatever it is we're going through, we need to research the medications we're on. We need to understand what options are out there. We need to seek community that can provide us with insights and perspective and then make our own informed decisions. Use your brains, people, 
I love you, but please use your brains, okay? Use your brains please. to make informed decisions. Don't just go with what everybody else says because that's how we're kind of in this phase now, cookie-cutter right. solutions when we are all very beautifully unique. So that's my... Oh, you made me think about the cinnamon. <laughs> listen, cinnamon. I need you to go listen to the episode with me and Mike, and we talk about that damn cinnamon challenge. Oh, I need, I I need you to listen it. to that because that was hilarious. <laughs> like, no, like, y'all, no amount of cinnamon is going to save us from diabetes. Oh my god, I've heard it all. Oh. I've, I've, I've heard it Turmeric all. Turmeric will do like it. Just Ginger recently, it. yes. <laughs> Have this think it mindset. I'm like, I know there's a lot of things you can do, and maybe yes, you'll you'll take have to take less insulin or just. I feel like a lot of times there's so much focus on weight. And I meet people that aren't even overweight and have type 2 diabetes. I'm like, where, what, where do Thank they have, you. And where are they supposed to lose the weight doing from? That. Right. So, so it, it's, I totally understand. And this is why I am here. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Well, speaking of you being here, how can people get connected with you because I clearly know how to get connected with you. But for those who don't, how can they reach you? How can they work with you? If they have questions, just want to chat things out, how can they get in touch to make sure that they're keeping up with all the great things you're doing? Yes. So uh, my Instagram is Diabetes Bay. I am actually working on building my website. So it's under construction, but right now it is a landing page. It's diabetesbay.com. And you can put in your email address. You can also even book a discovery call with me. So I have that link on diabetesbay.com as well as the link is on my Instagram profile for Diabetes Bay. I am looking for some diabetics who would love to do discovery calls with me this month of April and just talk about what are your pain points? What areas do you need help with? So that way I can focus on how to build my program around the biggest pain points that people are saying that they have. I am also on Clubhouse. I'm working with one lady. She has a a diabetic, it is supposed to be like a parent and caregivers trying to build that up. So like this week, we usually do Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. This upcoming week, we're going to talk about, oh man, what is it? Oh, stress and burnout. And then the mm. on Tuesday, or not Tuesdays, on Thursdays and Saturdays, I do a group and that one's called Diabetes Connection. We talk about everything in there. So this past Thursday, we talked about alcohol and diabetes. I missed um, that one. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> yes. And I gave out my favorite mixer. I'm like, hey, don't think I'm an alcoholic, but diet Chick-fil-A lemonade keeps me from having to take insulin when I'm mixing it with drinks with alcohol. So definitely was a fun room. Tonight we're talking about foot care. And so by the time you're hearing this or listening right now, I can't tell you what our topic will be, but usually we just find what's going on with people. What do people have the most questions about? And we pick two great topics to speak on each week. I'm excited. I, I, there's so many, it's so hard because I could be on Clubhouse all day. And I know everybody talks about like, it's such a time suck because I can't help it. I want to just creep and listen and then I'll hop in a room and I'm so grateful for those who asked me, don't get me wrong, but then like come up and speak. And I'm like, do I ignore it or do I go speak? And it's probably because I just like to hear myself talk sometimes, but I should save that for the podcast. <laughs> but so I'm going to be like I've, you. 
What girl? Stop listen, asking you, stop, stop accepting those every time. I'm like, wait, I don't want to speak. I just wanted to listen. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just, I just. There's no option that. Well, I've seen people change their picture that says, "I'm just listening," right? And so I feel like I need to to create a little Canva thing where like I can swap that out on those days because it's. It really is a time suck and it's beautiful to hear stories and be able to go in these rooms and kind of get perspective on things. But at the same time, you just feel that call to like represent your perspective at the same time. So you want to get up there. And a lot of the rooms that I end up in are mostly, mostly type one. So I feel like as the soul type two, I need to go say something because it's like, hey, I'm here too. But I'm loving that diabetic topics and health topics are picking up more in Clubhouse. I know part of it is their their algorithm. They're still working it out. But I've, you and, and several other people I've been connected with. And it it's almost like, let's see, if, you, if y'all are doing Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, Mike's room is on Mondays. It's like already four times a week, right? And I'm like, if yes. I start a room, I'm going to have to do mine on like Wednesdays or something like that. It's just like <laughs> conflict with everybody. There's so many people doing great rooms. So I am excited to see what you do. I will gladly ensure that people know to hit you up to let you know what, what the diabetic community needs. Please keep doing what you're doing. Your contribution is so great. So the last couple of questions, and I swear I will let you get back to your day, is what is one piece of advice that you would give a newly diagnosed diabetic? Okay, while I think about that, I'm going to say thank you for having me today. I really love your space. It is dynamic. I'm excited for season three and (laughs) all of the other guests that you're going to have on here. So I just want to say thank you for having that diabetes stationary room that day because it definitely (laughs) connected us. I pray that this is a lifelong collect. Co- co- I can't even say the word connection. So, um, <laughs> just thank you, sis, because God put us together. Yes. I'm like she's my sister, my diabetes sister. I yes. love it. So, my one piece of advice, because when I was diagnosed in 1996, like I had a pager in high school. I wasn't even in high school yet, but when I was in ninth grade, I had a pager. There were not cell phones. There was not YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, Facebook came out. I was in college, I think, because you had to have a Mm -hmm. college email address to have a Facebook account when it first started. So my one piece of advice would be find, find support. Like when you're initially diagnosed, it's hard. It is I felt like, is my life over? What does this yeah. mean? You know, I was 13. I'm like, what, what, wait, am I going to be okay? Can I never eat sugar again? I mean, all of those things that you hear, all of those myths that are out there, that's the only thing that I really knew about diabetes. And so yeah. I watched my grandparents, my grandma with type two, but I was like, oh my gosh, I ate too much sugar. I remember thinking that because that's what they always say. Oh, you ate too much sugar. And so I'm like, mom, I'm sorry. I take it back. I I don't, I don't want to have this. I don't want to give myself a shot. So you honestly need that support. And because there are apps and websites and social media and so many, there's, if you, even with COVID, 
there are still local support groups that maybe they're having a Zoom meeting and maybe once restrictions lift, you can go face to face if you want to meet other diabetics. There are things like Beyond Type 1 has a pen pal program. It's called the Snail Mail Club. And I actually just got a new pen pal. She's in Brazil with type 1 diabetes as well. So just finding a a really good support system to have people to talk to, somebody to ask questions to. You're going to have to kind of weed out because you'll, you'll get some answers. Like we were talking about the cinnamon and all sorts of things, but you know, there's a wealth of information out there and it's really easy to find great support groups and have somebody that knows what you're going through and they're going through it as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's, that's been a common theme is is just find the community. We are truly here to support each and every one of you, no matter what type, because we understand it is different and it is a unique journey for each individual, but it does not mean you have to do it alone. So absolutely bravo on that. Well, my blood sugar sister from another mister, (laughs) I have had so much fun with this conversation and with just the amount of education and wealth of knowledge that you've given us. So thank you again for your time, your energy, and all of the efforts that you are putting out into the world for our people and for those who are allies to us. It is is greatly appreciated. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm constantly going to be rooting for you. So obviously this is not the last time I will be talking to you, but we'll hopefully be able to to work in a a follow-up in later seasons to see where you're at and how things are going. Definitely make sure that you follow Simone at Diabetes Bay and check out everything that she's doing on Instagram Clubhouse. And don't forget to hit her up for those discovery calls. Help her help you. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. Man, I was serious about Cells at Work doing a diabetes version and any version. I'm gonna I'm seriously gonna look up to see if they're doing a season two and if not, like start a petition that they should because that's a great show. If you haven't watched it, it's a great show. But aside from that, I honestly, we could have talked for hours, similar to Britt Olson. Like she is one of those people that we can literally talk for hours and she's so down and ready to serve the community. And I just love her spirit and wanting to just be as helpful as possible and provide as much information and being willing to connect with others and continue this life of not only being a diabetic and thriving as one, but ensuring that others, including allies, are familiar with how our lives go as well. So thank you again, Simone. And I just am so grateful for your presence and everything that you have provided, not only to the show, but to me and everybody else out there. So thank you guys for your time. I will catch you next week on Tuesday for another episode of Hindsight Thoughts. Until then, I hope you have a good week. Thank you for your time and energy. I'll catch you next time.